Welcome to First Time Parents. I'm Heidi. I'm Griffo. And we uh, talk everything from toddler tantrums to marriage meltdowns and we expose it all. We bear it all. Uh, We share our parenting struggles and we share our relationship struggles. And today we have a very special guest. Hello, Tully. Hey, team. How are we? (laughs) Welcome. Yay. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Stoked to be here. Stoked to be here. And just love, before we get started, just love what you guys are doing with this and like normalizing the challenges of it. Cause I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into it in this chat, but it's like that as a first step is like fucking important. So, um, Aww, yeah, thanks, kudos, kudos to you guys. Well, we know you do amazing work as well. You've got a podcast called the fathering project. You're a men's coach. Uh, you're a dad, you're a, a, a husband, and you're also doing a lot of stuff in the relationship space as well. And I know I feel like we've grown together and evolved together. I was saying to, to you the other day, I remember when we first met, we were sitting having coffee at a cafe in yellow, um, both not nearly as evolved or as deep in our relationship work and sharing as we are now. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm really, really excited to have you on today. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in and just having a good, I was like leading up to this because some podcasts you get a bit of a vibe and I was like, I know this is going to be a good one. Just a good no holes bars. Just no, about it all. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. Yes. Well, I guess for us, Griffo and I have been sharing so much. Like our little boy, Memphis, is almost three. And we share so much about our relationship and how much it's changed. Almost three. Oh, sorry, almost three. Shit. Almost nearly three. three and a half. He's nearly <laughs> Or oh, is it baby brain still? Yeah. <laughs> what are we using that excuse for? I think that's because I was just talking to Tully about how old his little boy was. And so <laughs> in my brain. But, yeah, hey, if baby brain doesn't go away. Yeah, it's right. legit. <laughs> okay, well, welcome back to the room. I'm here. My son is three and a half. Uh, Tully's mm-hmm. is two and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you you take over then. You seem to know what's going on. No, no, I'll just correct you when you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to take no risk and just just cut cut you down when I need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's true. He doesn't take the risks in the relationship, Tully. That's really good observing there. Like I am the risk taker. You know, you got to have one of each if you're both doing the same thing. One hundred percent. Like, and on that, like one of the biggest questions I get is like, how do I get my man to do the work? How do I get my man to do the work? And it's like there's some validity to that, right? Like we want to grow together. Yeah. And how fucking chaotic would it be? So am I allowed to swear? I swear. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, we told I, you. I wanted to assume, but yeah, okay. Um, Living off limits. Can you imagine how chaotic it would be if both people were digging up their stuff at the same time without being held? You know, so it's like there is True. there is some validity in like at least appreciating the stability because stability can look like stagnancy, and it's like we don't realize how much stability it provides sometimes, and so. Yeah, I just think it's important to have those differences you just pointed out are like healthy and awesome if we can appreciate them rather than get pissed off at them. The yin and yang. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I think that's probably where Griffo and I kind of um, friction sometimes because I'm kind of like, hurry up, like let's Mm. get here. And I've, I've noticed since he's actually been doing the work, it was one of your posts that, you know, that you spoke about how women... And, you know, if you're supporting a partner, do you want to just share that? Like, so it was, you're kind of talking about how we focus on the gap in a, yeah. in a negative way. 
Yeah, yeah. So again, and I wrote this post because I get this question a lot. And it's, um, yeah, like how do you support your partner? Voice mainly to women who have male partners, take it, take or leave whatever parts of you want from it. But it's basically because we naturally focus on this gap for ourselves and then we also then project that onto our partners. And we will often, especially women, if they've felt, you know, the depths of their partner before in, in moments or they, they definitely know their potential, right? And so they'll have this idealized version of where they want their partner to be and how amazing life would be if they were there. And what they will do unconsciously, if we're not aware of it, is compare where they're at to that idealized version. And they will always fall short of that idealized version. Mm-hmm. And so if we're doing the work, it's like focusing on just A, acknowledging that they're fucking doing something in, in the first place, right? Um, but then B, focus on the gap of where they've been and acknowledging that and appreciating that. I call it like the reverse gap because otherwise, and there's, it's not to say that focusing on the gap between where we are and our potential is bad because that elicits inspiration and growth mm-hmm. and gives us direction. But if we're 95% over there, it's just going to be like we're just going to live in a world of not enoughness and we're just going to project that onto our partners. And so just bringing that back in, I feel like, creates the space for just so much more acknowledgement and appreciation of what is and that's yeah. what actually gets us to where we want to go, ironically, when we stop <laughs> judging that we're not there yet. It is true, you know, because you do focus so much on the, like the future, I guess, or what, what could be, but you don't actually credit yourself or your partner in that respect of um, where we've, come from to where we are now you kind of go well, that shit sailed you know we've done that but yeah. it's, well, you should be going well i've gone from here to there and you're so much better in yourself um, yeah it's quite true so it's yeah uh, resonates that yeah yeah celebration like the biggest thing i do in my coaching no matter who it's with is like learning to celebrate ourselves because if we don't do that we don't it's almost like energetically acknowledge what we've done and then it's like we're just chasing, oh, when I get there, then I'll feel good. But we yeah. don't because if we don't practice celebration, what makes us think we're going to celebrate when we get there if we didn't celebrate when we got here? We yeah. won't, right, ourselves and our partner. And it's like bringing, creating a culture of celebration of like the baseline, we're a good team and we're doing a good job mm-hmm. as the baseline. Sure, there's shit to work on. There's always shit to work on. There always will be shit to work on. Yeah. And you're awesome. I'm awesome. We're doing a great job. You know what I mean? Like balancing that out is really important it's so true and I think as you know since we've discovered as being parents there's so many things that you try and probably correct in the person as well instead of saying like hey you're doing a fucking amazing job and this and I feel like not to generalize but I'm going to but in general we probably do that like as an like as human beings as Mm -hmm. all the time but I noticed Mm -hmm. with James like James I don't know why I'm calling him James now I'm also getting serious (laughs) with Griffo yeah I'm in trouble yeah yeah I probably do that more and I am probably the one that focuses on correcting like you know it might be the way that he speaks to Memphis or this or that and we've spoke about this on the podcast but that's because I feel like I'm the one that's listening to the psychologist and this or Mm -hmm. you know listening to coaches like you and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and so but I won't tell him as often how well he's doing as dad or you know celebrating the moments of like just yeah. how much the legend he's been for the last yeah. three years of supporting me yeah and that's it goes very much both ways you know yeah. i don't think it's off you know more heavy on my side or your side it's seriously yeah. both ways yeah. yeah and it's like that's big stuff like that subtle thing if we just look at that ratio appreciation versus maybe we use the word criticism or 
constructive feedback or whatever, you know, whatever we want to call that pillar. If that ratio is off or it leans more towards criticism, the, the research, I don't know if you're familiar with the Gottman Institute, but like the research around that is like the relationship's not heading in a very good direction, right? Mm-hmm. What they see in thriving relationships that not only last, go the distance, because we glorify distance these days, but last and are fulfilling and happy, there's a much higher percentage of, it's roughly three to one is what they found in terms of voicing or acknowledging appreciation versus feedback or criticism. Wow. Or that's, and most people are very much the opposite to that. It's like this, this, and this. Oh, I love you, babe. But this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, you missed this, data. but I love you, babe. And it's like that script needs to, f- to flip. And it takes work because we're stressed. Do you know what I mean? We're stressed. We're tired. We're seeing more of the shit that's going wrong. So naturally, we're going to voice that more. So it yeah. takes work and practice to do this. I'm not saying it's like easy, but that simple shift that you're speaking to is actually a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And I think one of the biggest things that I've seen with you and what you've shared in your, you know, coming of becoming a dad and, you know, finding your feet is just the honesty in like actually asking for help as well. And I think so many of us don't do that with our relationships. We don't do that on our, you know, like off off our own back, especially as a woman, I felt like as a mum, I had so much pressure on myself, not from anyone else, but from me that I had to be able to do it and know it. And, you know, and then we were sharing it as well. And so sometimes we're just too afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you could, I could give you all the relationship tools, all the communication tools, all the things, and you could learn some like ninja shit, right? But if you're still just trying to operate inside your relationship and not receive help, externally you're pretty cooked like just the way society is set up how much we have to work all of these things a we're not designed to do it on our own and b it's just getting harder and harder to do that and the the thought that we can do it on our own is just it's just false it's false rhetoric and there's the part of us and we bring it into the relationship but the, there's part of us and i know this is really strong in guys and it's probably there for for women as well um is that we need to be able to do it on our own. We need to be able to do it on our own. The idea that we can do it alone, right? right. And yeah. you're talking about receiving support because often, and I know guys have this in a big way, the lone wolf, lone wolf mentality, asking mm-hmm. for help is weakness. I should be yeah. able to do it on my own, especially be a father. What the fuck? How come I can't just do, like, how do I not know how to do this? Like, yeah. my, my partner doesn't isn't happy with me. Like, what does that mean about me? And sometimes this is going on unconsciously, but it's like, ask for help in that scenario like get fucked i would rather like die on my sword like the thought of asking for help and struggles around things so close to our heart is just hard and foreign and our culture of masculinity doesn't create much space for it to be honest and and that is the linchpin because if we're lucky okay i'm going to do some personal development and work myself but if that's under the context of i'm still going to try and do it by myself and we're going to try and do it by ourselves you're, you're going to struggle. You're going to yeah. struggle. You get, you'll get better at struggling and it won't, you know, you won't maybe want to get divorced every single day, but you're like, you, it'll still be a struggle. And that opening up to support, that was my initiation into, into fatherhood. It was, I know, I just, I just saw it. I just saw, cause I'm like, I live and breathe this work, you know, and have done for a long time. And I saw the pattern popping up of all these people like flocking to us, offering help. 
And I was in the fortunate position where I worked online, worked from home, could take a big break after Rafi was born. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't need it. Like, we're, we're good. We're good. And I was just like, holy shit. All this help is like right here. And I'm like, nah, we're good. Like, who do you think you are? That A, you can do it on your own and B, depriving these people of wanting to support you in this beautiful moment. And I just saw the pattern and where it came. And I was like, I am just going to open up. And I just said yes to everything and like just full, yeah, just stretched myself. And it was uncomfortable. Asked for help when I thought, you know, it might be putting someone else out, you know, like I would, I would, I just did it because I knew it had to be done. And that um, being open to receiving the support changed the game and was really responsible for us having a, to be honest, like beautiful transition into parenthood. Like the last six months, as Rafi's become more of a toddler, has been more challenging. But like our first, year was was dreamy and and that's like a lot of um yeah we were in a very privileged position but we and we did a lot of work leading up to it but we opened up to receiving the support that was there and i guarantee every single person listening to this right now there is support that is an arm's reach away that we're just unconsciously resisting and i think it's our job as parents to like we need to let that in if we want our relationship to thrive it's like yeah we need to let it in yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly resonates with me as well. And um, I think I'm, I'm sure for yourself that you give a lot like I do, but it's funny you don't like receiving and you say, <laughs> like, I'm too tough or I don't need it, I'm all right, but you're more than happy to help anyone. Yeah. It's ironic how you're more than happy to help, but you're not happy to receive. It's it's yeah. a weird thing. You said it as much as it was good, it made you feel uncomfortable, but obviously it would have opened the doors for you to have more time for yourself with your partner um, just to recuperate. Um, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Happy to do one, but you can't receive, which is, yeah. Yeah. And and what I connected with was me not being happy to, like, because it feels good to give. And it's like, and me not being open to receiving deprives somebody else of that good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. As well. So I'm like, that was a mental frame that helped me open because I'm like, it's for them too. You know, it's not just for me because if it's just for me, it's harder to do it. And that helped me be like, and you just like, if you think about it energetically, I don't know if this is like too woo-woo, but it's like you're just fucking with the natural flow yeah. of energy. You just like give, 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 but you're not receiving. So it like you, it's just unnatural. It like I was like, oh, this is weird. And if and it's the the foundations of community. It's like, oh, it takes a village to raise a child. We need to build community, da-da-da-da-da. We're all talking about it, but how open are we to receiving and opening the door to because that's what builds community, giving and receiving, not just giving. The receiving part's really important. And I think, yeah, as parents, it's especially more to. And I say all of that with the deepest appreciation of the resistance to it and how hard it is as well. Like, again, that was one of the hardest things I did. And I went all in on it because I, I recognized how deeply the pattern runs, not just in me, but in everyone. I was like, well, to really shift this, I'm going to have to go like gnarly yeah. <laughs> and yeah. receive heaps, you know, like to, to break it, just doing it one time after a lifetime of not wanting to receive, won't do shit, right? So I had to like, yeah, really go all in and, and open up what, to it. What kind of things did you have to be open to receive just for people? Because I know lots of people follow this podcast, especially parents from the early days because we documented this right from the, the first week that Memphis was born. And we've yeah. got people on the ride, you know, yeah. with us. How did you, you know, and what did you, what did you openly receive? Yeah. So for me, the timing I chose to, take on that challenge was 
made it easier because it was when we were leading up to Rafi being born. So even like the meal train, um, people offering to do things, people offering to, we can do some washing for you or just things like that. I'd normally be like, I can do the washing. I was like, that would be amazing. Come and wash my clothes. Thank you. Like, so like literally anything and everything. And then um, like stuff around the house, like anytime I need to do like gardening or like we, (laughs) we move houses a lot. I think we've moved house like seven times in five years or something. Oh my God. With a child. (laughs) Oh yeah. So like a few of those with a child, but so anytime something like that would pop up in life, I'd be on the phone to a few mates. Like, can you come help me move? Come and Can you give me a hand in the garden? Like, bring a few guys together and like we call it co-wolfing instead of lone wolfing and we'd like come and like do two hours in the garden at my joint and then maybe you know so those kinds of like practical things um but on a more subtle level because for me part of this is asking more but and a better place to start is it's already there in in that like i guarantee Heidi griff is complimenting and appreciating you more than you actually fully let in and likewise the other way so it's actually where is it already there where am i not even receiving a fucking compliment or a thank you or uh an opening up to like oh yeah like i did do a good job today like yeah i am being a good partner or being a good mom or being a good dad like just open up to actually letting that land Mm -hmm. is like a it starts to just build it, it it'll yeah, it'll feel funny because there'll be a resistance. They're like, oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah, maybe, but um, I'm, I fucked that up yesterday. Or we had that blow up three days ago and I'm still beating myself up because I said things that I regret. So I'm not going to let in this love and this warmth that you're offering me now. So it's like, where is it already there? And we're just blocking it, you know? And then it's like the practical actually asking for help as well. Because, yeah, the first step is awareness of anything, right? So that is like becoming aware of like how how are you receiving, like you said, just within your relationship to begin with. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, yeah, it's really subtle, but it's like, yeah, it, it's the amount of cat love cat has for me. Like I don't actually connect to that every, well, maybe like most days I'd say, but like I'm not present to what is actually coming my way from her because yeah. I'm busy doing my stuff, right? And then yeah. the, and actually, it, it's a practice and it takes work, but it's like, oh, wow, that's there. That's there. And it's not worth, and more often than not, we want to receive more acknowledgement from someone and more appreciation from someone. And we're not even really letting in what they're already giving us. Mm. Right. And I think it's John. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's already there. Just, yeah, open up to accept it. Yeah. 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 And it's like what we, what we appreciate appreciates. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yep. So do you have anything that you want to say to me right now, Griffo? Just open up <laughs> and accept it. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> nah. well, so I guess this is where the drift happens, right? And so this is where the disconnect happens with so many relationships. So for those um, who are listening right now that are, you know, following our journey of exposing our relationship struggles and parenting struggles that want some takeaways from mm. today, what are some big aha moments that you can share from your own personal, whether you're coaching someone or going through it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. The actionable takeaways that people just like, give me something to do. That's a nice idea. The first thing is action and implement everything we've already spoken about because that all contributes to the drift. And I think um, 
we, we need to develop a deeper level of communication, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, it is beyond a few simple quick tips, but just like asterisk it, be like what we were able to communicate and stuff before, because there were challenges before parenting, like, of course, we just moved through them better because there was a certain amount of stress, right? Now parenting, more stress, right? So that requires a more skillful level of communication before, because we get to a point, a certain, we can hold us, everybody can hold a certain amount of stress before they shut down, go into survival brain, and then it's like, cool, no healthy communication is happening here. So mm-hmm. expanding our capacity to hold stress is, is one thing, and that, can, that equates to essentially self-care, right? And I know that's like something that gets banged on a lot, but it's, it's important. It's legit. Like some sort of like learning how to breathe, learning how to regulate your nervous system through breath and other practices is, is key. Because like you said before, Heidi, the awareness is the first step. And unless we can come back to the present moment more often, we're not going to have the awareness of the drift, let alone do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So taking responsibility for that self-regulation. And what I say to parents is like, it's not a, a full parenthood. It's a, a luxury. If you're, you know, if you're super growth oriented, yeah, I might go do some of this work. Now that you're a parent, it's a necessity because if you can't regulate yourself and you can't come into that level of communication with your partner, what makes you think you're going to be able to support your child to do that? Yeah. And that's not to lay any extra burden on the parents that are already feeling guilty around doing enough. It's like we can put that to the side and just objectively look at the fact that, oh, wow, I need to give myself this gift and my relationship this gift if I think I'm going to be able to give it to my children in any sort of sustainable way. And it's like, cool, any guilt that pops up, I'm going to reiterate because I know this is huge with parents. It's like, oh, especially if they've got older kids, like, oh, no, I've already fucked my kids up. Or like, okay, cool, awesome. Don't like use new awareness to feel bad about your past self, but just like own like, ah, I get to make space for myself. And this is where asking for help comes in, right? It's all circular. Yeah, but that's the biggest thing. Um, I'm just going to keep going because I'm on like a little bit of a, a rant train. So then speaking more specifically to the drift, it's um, normalizing it and not wronging it because more often than not, once we come to that fact, then we either feel guilty about it or feel resentful about it. Yeah. And so when we can normalize it and be like, oh, it makes perfect sense that we would have drifted. Like, look at what's happening. Look at the society that we're trying to parent within, da-da-da-da, like normalize the charge. Because more often than not, we'll get to that point where drifting, we're either feeling guilty or resentful, so we're charged, and then we don't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling. So we try to take some action to stop feeling that without actually making peace with the fact that it is what it is. And so accepting that, being able to be like, ah, we've drifted, that's okay. Humans that have gone through the last three years that we've just gone through would have drifted, even if it was Bob and Susie who seemed to have a perfect relationship. I guarantee they don't. And I guarantee if they went through what you've gone through, then, yeah, they would have drifted too. So, like, normalizing it, the communication piece, and then it's starting to uh, look at and redefine what the relationship is. It's like consciously saying, this is what our relationship is in this phase, right? In this season of our life, this is how we want things to look. This kind of quality time, this 
like like actually gets kind of practical treat it like a business i know it doesn't sound super sexy but get like super fucking practical and be like this is what we're committing to and there might be differences in that right i'll share a personal example like cat had a much harder time with say somebody looking after raffi than i did yeah so <laughs> what i came to the table with on like say how much quality time how we would go about it was different to what cat came to the table with and more often than not that happens and that's where it ends because we fight about that thing and then we don't get any further right so also normalizing the fact that th- you are two different humans in a relationship who are going to have different takes on these things beautiful amazing your child now gets a diversified experience of of life beautiful it's okay that they're different and how do we cut, like find a middle ground between those again for this season if we don't understand that that's what we're deciding it can be scary it's like well if we only have sex m- once a month and we're not clear that that's just for this season because of the stress we're under that's pretty scary right yeah, for somebody who wants to have sex I twice a week sometimes telly i'm like oh my god this is scary yeah, yeah. Like- imagine if it's like this forever and that's unless we're talking about that and saying hey that's for this season like this is where we're at let's review in a month because things change fast as a parent especially when they're really little right you need to review the shit like weekly so you get a, sl- a schedule and da, 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 and then it's a different child that you've got yeah but it's like un- acknowledging that oh, this is a season how can we get excited about this season this next sort of three months so that our lizard brain stressed in survival mode isn't like oh fuck we're we're doomed because if this is how it's going to be da 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 right and we just go off on that mental tangent and then we're communicating with that tangent in our body. That level of stress is in our body. So we're scared and like, oh, and we're trying to come to some, you know, meet in the middle when actually our nervous system is just wigging out because we're scared that we're never going to have sex again or that we're going to break up or that we're going to, do you know what I mean? So it's like, and then that all links in with the self-regulation as well. So it's like, I know there's a lot there. I'm just trying to squeeze as much as I can. No, I, I mean, what did you, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, it's. Like everything you said, you can sort of relate to and mm. take a lot from it. You know, it's um, it all makes sense when someone verbalizes it like yourself. You know, and you kind of like, oh, it's fucking easy, but <laughs> it's to take it away, it's to work in it and actually implement it and do it sort of day and day or at least week and week out. Um, I think as humans, mm. something and drift pretty easy back to the old, and then you haven't really gained anything. So it's yeah. just things just sticking it out and really committing and yeah. Using- this is yeah and and on that it's redefining the win right because you might we have this conversation you guys are both like nodding your head like oh fuck yeah we can do that like da 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 you know and then tomorrow you guys will fuck it up somebody will say something and and then you're like it's not working we're not working and it's like because the unconscious win is not fucking it up we have this unconscious story about relationship about conflict right about communication that if there's conflict it's a bad thing and our relationship is bad because of it if we don't have sex for a week that's a bad thing and our relationship is bad because of it we've got those all these unconscious stories and agreements that we project onto the relationship and the partner and we make the win not fighting but like oh that's the goal and it's like that's not the goal right a you get to define what the win is my personal take on the win is knowing we're going to drift out of alignment from how we actually want to be. How quickly can I catch it and how gracefully can I move back into alignment in myself and in the relationship? And if that's the win, 
then when I drift and fuck it up, it's not actually a bad thing at all, ever. If I catch it quickly and come back as gracefully as I can. Because more often than not, the unconscious win is let's not fight. That's what we're trying to do. You know, we don't want to fight, especially in front of the kids, da 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 da. We have all this pressure. And as soon as we slip from it, because we don't want to, there's resistance to it and it compounds it and it turns it into this spiral of something that it actually isn't. And so taking the load off a little bit and redefining what the win is for you in this season. And it might be this week. Do you know what I mean? You might be sleep deprived, your child, you might be sleeping four hours a night. And it's like, okay, the win this week, don't literally physically kill each other. That's the win. Okay. And that's what we're working towards. And we're going to drop the ball in between now and then. But what's the win? We get to choose that, not let our unconscious conditioning choose that, which is often what happens. And it's this standard that we and our partner cannot live up to a lot of the time. Mm, so true oh my god so many aha moments and I was kind of like has he been listening to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) he's been inside our heads (laughs) yeah no it's just I've been inside the heads of lots and lots of couples and lots and lots of new parents right like and it's a yeah a privileged position to be in because I get to reflect on my own stuff as well but it's like I get passionate about it because there's nothing new under the sun now I'm just like yeah we just get to yeah, get let go of our story, speak about it. And that's why I open with gratitude for you guys just sharing this. Because if somebody's listening to this podcast, at the bare minimum, they'll turn to their partner and be like, we're not the only ones that yeah. are fucking struggling. And then it's like, still what I love about you guys is you're growth focused. You're not like just, this is hard and let's just sit in it. It's like, this is hard. And knowing that it's hard and we're like, let's do something about it. Like striking that balance, I think is really important as parents. I think like you're just saying then it's funny the stories you make in your head when you have the blue and you think I'm the only guy in the world that's dealing with a, a missus that's so fucked up or that argument yeah, yeah. and then you go start chatting with one of the lads at work <laughs> and you kind of like straight away that pressure just comes right back down you're like oh his wife's way worse <laughs> yeah, yeah you just you can just straight away feel that it's actually pretty normal what we're going through and you just had this story that it was like the end of the world but yeah. a simple chat can change it so big easily. time, big time. And that's why like, I do very little one-on-one work now, especially with men, because the power is in the group, right? And that connection, because a, a guy will, you know, will voice up and be like, you know, I'm fucking struggling with this. And then after he finishes, I just like stop him. I'm like, anybody else had an issue similar to this? Every hand goes up, mm. right? Oh, 60% of the work's done before we even get into the tools and how we actually move forward from here, over half the work is done just by that exhale all of a sudden. Because what that's doing is it's letting some steam out of the system that is shame, right? Because there's the thing that's happening and then there's the shame that I feel about the thing that's happening. And it's the shame that we feel about the thing that's happening that will fuck us up, yes. keep us keep us spiraling. And so that sharing releases the shame to a point where we're open to like learning new schools, skills, learning how to communicate better. Like we still got work to do. We can't just like get stressed and then chat about it and de-stress. And like, I mean, you can if you want, if that's how you want to go about it. My personal take on is like building something new, like how yeah. good can it get kind of thing. And so we get to do both, right? We get to know that we're beautiful and perfect just the way we are. And we've got some fucking work to do, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not either or, it's not like we've always got work to do and we're never enough. And it's not just like sitting, it's finding that, that harmony. 
between those two individually and, yeah, within the relationship as well. Beautiful. Oh, I love you, Tully. I could talk to you all day. I know you've got to get back to Rafi and, uh, you know, and play dad as the dads do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, oh. and what do they call it, babysitting? That's like, I know. That's what yeah. I was going to take the piss, like cats that's out for babysitting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole dad's child. babysitting thing. I'm like got some beef with that. It's like, no, oh. dad's actually the dad's father, right? No, right. There's <laughs> dad's so parent, just like mum's parent. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know we appreciate you coming in, you know, sharing with us the wisdom and, you know, what you go through and what you've seen other couples go through because very relatable stuff. And like I said, we were sitting here going like, fuck is he in our head? So <laughs> um, for people who want to follow you, I'll drop your uh, Instagram link in the show notes. Awesome. Um, but you just want to give a shout out for what you've got coming up and, um, yeah, where can people stalk you? Yeah, cool. So, yeah, Instagram, I'm just at Talia Connor. Heidi will drop it. And I've also got a, an Instagram page that's designated to couple stuff. So that's liberating underscore love. Um, and I'm actually launching my couples course on the 7th of Feb, so depending on when this comes out. Um, and that's, yeah, liberating love relationship mastery. So that's a four-month deep dive into, yeah, just what it takes to build and cultivate and maintain a connected, secure, and thriving relationship. And especially, it's not a parenting course, but the course is designed with parents in mind. So all the parents out there listening, it will be applicable um, very much so for, for the parents because that's the whole point, right? Like let's put our egos aside, sort out our shit so we can carve a bit of a better path for, for the kids, right? Like that's my personal take on it, why I'm so passionate about this stuff. And um, the course is designed with, with that in mind. Mm, I love it. I'll chuck all those details in below. But Tully, thank you so much. We love you, appreciate you. And yeah, just so grateful for everything that you offer the world. Yeah, likewise. Like I said, appreciate you guys. And um, yeah, I feel like we could chat for hours. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> so we'll, actually, we'll you- have to go round two. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so round two, I'm going to throw this out live on the podcast now. I actually know that you went through a phase where you didn't know if you wanted to have baby number two. Griffo's yep. spoke about this on the podcast. That's something that we are actually going through in real time. Yeah. Um, it is hard and it's challenging and it's like something, but I would love for you to come back and actually maybe share your story and ask him questions because what happens for me is, I freeze and I get defensive and I would love to hear it. And I think other people maybe would love to understand because they could be relating to Griffo and they could be relating to me. And Mm -hmm. I thought that maybe you would be a great person to come back and chat to about that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was, um, yeah, definitely. And I can speak to personal experience because that was, um, I thought I never thought I'd had. And when it popped up, I was like, whoa, like the transition into parenthood is gnarly. Like what an interesting thing to be thinking. And it's like, I know it wasn't my deep, deep truth, but it was definitely fucking like true in the moment for me. And so like navigating that process was, it was huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we want you back for that. So we'll see you in part two. Thank you so much, Tully. For everyone who wants to stalk him, we'll chuck his details in below. Thanks for listening. Love you lots. Don't forget, rate review if you love us. Bye. See ya.